we'll just move on to Deuteronomy chapter 27 and we read the first eight verses. <clears throat> and Moses with the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when ye shall pass over Jordan unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set thee up great stones and plaster them with plaster. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a land that floweth with milk and honey, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee. Therefore it shall be, when ye be gone over Jordan, that ye shall set up these stones, which I command you this day in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster, and there shalt, and there shalt thou build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones, thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God. And thou shalt offer peace offerings, and shalt eat there, and rejoice before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt write upon the stones all the words of this law very plainly. God will bless that reading as we look at it today and see what we can learn from it. We come to an interesting section of this wonderful book. Moses is here standing with the elders of the children of, the children of Israel. How wonderful it was for Moses to have those elders standing with him as a sign of solidarity and combined leadership and authority. Uh, look back in, in Numbers 11, Numbers chapter 11, and we see in verses 10 to 14 of Numbers 11. Moses was finding the going very hard. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses was also displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant, and wherefore have I not found favour in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? That thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth the succoring child, unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. Whence? Should I have flesh to give unto all this people? 
For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. Where old Moses was finding it difficult, the people were complaining that they hadn't any flesh to eat. It was getting so difficult for him. But what did he do? He brought his problems to the Lord. And look at verses 11, chapter 11, numbers, <coughs> verse 16 and 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. What a wonderful answer to his prayer. Seventy people he got. I'm sure he expected maybe one or two. I don't know. But do you ever feel like that sometimes? Everything beginning to pile up and to cave in around you. But God knows. That's the wonderful thing. God knows. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing his truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hold fast. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. This is what Moses did. Exactly. And God answered. And now 70 men were there to do the work along with Moses. Hebrews 2.17 Wherefore in all things it behoved him, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Isn't that wonderful? He knows, he loves, he cares. Jesus prayed to his Father, who sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Saviour, we have the assurance that we have the Comforter with us in all situations, at all times, and for all time. Something the Old Testament saints did not have 
the personal indwelling of God the Holy Spirit with them forever. We have that assurance. We used to sing this old hymn, There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no, not one. None else could heal or, or all our soul's diseases, no, not one. No friend like him is so high and holy, no, not one. And yet, no friend is so meek and lowly, no, not one. There's not an hour that he is not near us. No night so dark, but his love can cheer us. Did ever saint find this friend forsake him? Or sinner find that he would not take him? No, not one. Was e'er a friend like the Saviour given? Will he refuse us a home in heaven? No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no, not one, no, not one. What a wonderful old hymn that is. Unfortunately, in the world today, there are many pastors and teachers standing out for the truth of God's word who do not have the same support that Moses enjoyed. But they have the knowledge and comfort of the scriptures and the comforter. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, I was struck, how personal is the message of the Bible to those who believe? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Look on to verses 2 to 4. On the day when ye shall pass over Jordan unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that they shall set thee up great stones and plaster them with plaster. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of this law. When thou art passed over, that thou mayest go in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a land that floweth with milk and honey, as the Lord thy God promised thy fathers. Therefore it shall be when ye be gone over Jordan, that ye shall set up these stones, which I command you this day. You shall plaster them with plaster. You know, we were saying last week, Moses had the great knack of repeating himself. And he told them what this land was like before, but he just reminds them of this land into which God was directing them and to which he had promised them. This land is a land flowing with milk and honey, stressing upon these people the graciousness of God. Having spent 40 years wandering around that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, and there was no water, the thought of milk and honey must have been something to look forward to. A land of plenty. When we read of what God has in store for 
each one of us does it through our hearts and whet our appetites for heaven. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Do you believe that? You know, we, we look at beautiful sunsets. We look at our world that God has made, the beauty of creation. We see some magnificent photographs. Uh, we see photographs taken from space looking down on our earth. It's a wonderful place. But I hath not seen, nor ear heard, and it hasn't even entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for you and me in heaven. And like God's promise to Israel, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, so a home in heaven is God's promise to you and to me. I go to prepare a place for you. And that place is going to be so wonderful that no matter how we imagine it, it's going to be so much better. And then he instructs them. When you go over the River Jordan, you have to get these great stones and set them up in Mount Ebal. They were to be both a witness to the goodness of God and a memorial to Israel of the law given by God through Moses. They were to be plastered to give a finish upon which all the words of this law shall be written. There are many instances around the world, especially in Egypt, where th this type of thing is evident, where walls were plastered and hieroglyphics and things written on them. And this was to be set up in this land which was flowing with milk and honey as a witness. What a witness this was to the heathen nations that were all around them when they went into the land of Canaan. These nations were idol worshippers. They were involved in obnoxious evil practices in the worship of their false gods, offering their children to these gods through fire. But here was an opportunity for them to read the law of God, to read all about the God of Israel. You know, we've been thinking in recent days, many people around us are steeped in, in paganism. Most people with whom we rub shoulders with in the supermarket or in our offices or at work or wherever we are, do not worship God. They worship the God of this world, Satan. They simply do not know the gospel message. Have we a witness to them of the goodness of God? This God who will supply all their needs, who will give them salvation through faith, forgiveness of sins. Do our lives and our testimony or 
other things we do bear witness to this God who is the God of all creation. The God who sent his son to die. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The message has not been heard. Into the tent where a gypsy boy lay dying alone at the close of the day. News of salvation was carried, said he. Nobody ever has told it to me. Did he so love me, a poor little boy? Send unto me the good tidings of joy. Need I not perish? My hand will he hold. Nobody ever the story has told. Bending, we caught the last words of his breath just as he entered the valley of death. God sent his son, whosoever, said he, then I am sure that he sent him for me. Smiling, he said, as his last sigh he spent, I am so glad that for me he was sent, whispered while low sunk the sun in the west. Lord, I believe. Tell it now to the rest. Tell it again. Tell it again. Salvation story repeat o'er and o'er. Till none can say of the children of men. Nobody ever has told me before. Many in our country simply do not know. Salvation story. Sadly, more, many of our churches are more concerned with uniting together with false religions in multi-faith ventures and multi-faith social work rather than preaching the pure, unadulterated word of God. Now these stones were eventually to be set up and they were set up after, if you, if you want to just check it in Joshua 3.32, after the defeat of Ai in uh, Joshua. But let's go on to, to verse 8 then about these stones. And it says, And thou shalt write upon these stones all the words of this law very plainly. Some important words in this verse. Firstly, all, all. Thou shalt write upon the stones all the words of this law. Not some, not a selected number chosen by a committee, not a selected few which were relevant to the time and place, and not omitting some words which might have proved a little offensive to the Canaanites. No, all the words. Think of the trouble we would have today. It would be enormous if we had to do a similar thing if we were commanded by God to do it. Most churches do not regard the Bible to be totally inspired. 
parts they say are only fables or parables which cannot be taken literally and so on and even as we have so often stated the heads of the main denominations do not accept what their own churches have been teaching for hundreds of years all the words of the law had to be fulfilled the second thing was it says very plainly very plainly how complicated man has made the simplicity of the gospel message man has added his own ideas and ordinances his form of church government his ideas as how of how man can come into contact with God listen to what Paul says in 2nd Corinthians 11 3 but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ he was afraid that people were going to make it all too complicated he could see what was happening tell me the old old story of unseen things above of Jesus and his glory of Jesus and his love tell me the story simply as to a little child for I am weak and weary and helpless and defiled that's the way people feel today they're weak and they're weary of all these things that are happening round about them. They feel helpless. They want to hear the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And then... Another thing they had to do in these verses, they had to build an altar. Verse 5, and, thou shalt, and there shalt thou build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stones. And thou shalt not lift up any iron tool upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones. And thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord thy God. Well, this altar here speaks to us of the worship of a people enjoying the blessings of a gracious God. A people who were in a relationship with their God and who were to enjoy that relationship. It says... Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God with whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord. They were to enjoy this relationship with their God. But they were to realize that all was because of what God had done. Here there was nothing to be of man in the building of this altar they weren't to get out this, their, their iron tools and start making fancy uh, designs on this altar no there was nothing of man's effort on this altar they were just whole stones 
because all that they had and all that had been given to them was from God. They had come through that wilderness where there was nothing upon which they could feed or drink except it was given by God. There was nothing of man to be put into this altar. It was just an evidence of what God had done, of his graciousness. And so today, as we worship, we come to God in thankfulness and with joyful hearts for all that he has done for us. It's all because of what Jesus has done that we are in this wonderful situation where we have an assured home in heaven. Our Saviour has died to bring us into fellowship with him through the blood of his cross. Now, we have no man-made altar. Yet, in most churches, the minute we go in, we see an ornate altar taking prime position as the law and the age of grace are in somehow mixed together. The law and the new covenant, they seek to join them by having an altar in the church. And as Christ says, what happens? We see rents happening in the garment. We see the wine bottles bursting because the mixture of the old and new is a disaster. No blood, no altar now. The sacrifice is o'er. No flame, no smoke ascends on high. The lamb is slain no more. But richer blood has flowed from nobler veins to purge the soul from guilt and cleanse the reddest stains. We thank thee for the blood, the blood of Christ, God's Son, the blood by which our peace is made. Redemption great is won. Great victory o'er sin and death and woe that needs no second fight and leaves no second foe. No blood, no altar now. You go into many churches, you see the crucifix with Christ on the cross. Christ is not on the cross. Christ is risen from the dead. We don't need an altar because Christ has offered himself once for sin. What does it say? That needs no second fight and leaves no second foe. May we worship him this morning in simplicity, in truth, and in love. As it says, we want to rejoice in verse 7. And thou shalt offer peace offerings, and shalt eat there 
and rejoice before the Lord. We've something to rejoice about this morning. And we've a lot to thank God for. We come to thank God for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we do so from thankful hearts.